dissecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists. My name is Darren Stott, and this is the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. This show exists to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level, across spheres, across industries, across nations. And I need your help to accomplish this mission. You say, my help? What can I do? Well, you can review this podcast on iTunes. You can give it one star. That means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars and that means that you think it's off the chain you can also just include a little paragraph about what you think of the show look reviews are a big big deal um itunes actually aggregates podcasts that have a lot of reviews and pulls them up and puts them on the charts and so let's do this thing together to do it, just go to thedarrenshow.com. That'll redirect you to iTunes. Again, that's thedarrenshow.com. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe. What that'll do is that'll keep this weekly audio supernatural content flowing onto your streaming device. May it be your tablet or your computer or even right onto your cell phone. So again, review and subscribe. And last but not least, I don't necessarily say this all the time. If you enjoy today's show, share it. Share it on your social platforms from Twitter to, of course, the big dog, Facebook. Super excited about today's podcast. Charlie Champ and I sit down and we just chat. We chat about the good old glory days. I'm talking about when gold and oil and Feathers were just popping everywhere, out of walls, out of the ceiling, out of the floor. There were glory gangs. That's where we that's where we begin our conversation. We talk about all kinds of stuff, from the cloud of witnesses to embracing the messiness that comes with revival. We talk about the early nineties when there were five different moves of God occurring on the earth all at the same time, just within the the US and Canada and the kind of hunger needed that will really spur on something where we can go far beyond where we ever went even in the 90s and how we've got to see a crazy move of God right here, right now, that'll meet the need, the spiritual needs of this present generation. And then we kind of wrap up by talking about fivefold ministry and the different um, the different ways that people view fivefold ministry. This podcast is a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun um, and hopefully you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed making it. So again, thank you so much for tuning into the Supernaturals podcast show. Without any further ado, let us begin right here, right now on the Supernaturalist podcast show. Let's go. Charlie Champ, what's up? What's up, man? Ready to do this? Yeah, let's go. All right, man, let's get started. So what are we talking about? Let's talk about, let's talk about the old days of, of the, like the good old days of the glory. Like, the old like, days. Like, do you know, what, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like there was like the good old days of like the crazy glory stuff that was popping everywhere. Like diamonds, jewels, like 2006, gold dust. Five. Yeah. Gold flakes, like, like oil pouring off I of can, walls in the ceiling. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there were like glory gangs. There were like, you know what I'm talking about? Like the, there were like glory gangs that were running together <laughs> and through like these crazy glory conferences. We could like, go glory squads. Like 
you know, like what happened to it? Like, you don't even hear about the glory anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, sure. Josh, Joshua Mills is still going for it. Right. But right. I'm talking about like, there were like the, the glory days where like glory was just like, it was in the air. It was like, people were eating, people are like clothed in glory. I think you could probably go back before 2006, maybe 2000, maybe 97. Yeah. 96. With like, um, the, with, with what's her, Ruth Ruth Ward Ruth, Heflin. Yeah, Ruth Heflin. So Heflin's the one that kind of brings in the whole glory thing. Like, you know, the gold dust. So what's the story with that? So you have Ruth Ward Heflin, which is kind of, she's like kind of like this old school Pentecostal lady that just walked in crazy glory, right? Yeah, heritage that streamed all the way back to Jonathan Edwards. But that wasn't, that was like, that wasn't like, like the word we use now is like, like this hip kind of movement, right? Like it was like a, kind of an old school kind of fringy kind of movement, right? Right. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, outside of um, what everybody else was doing in the 90s. So how'd you go from Ruth Ward Heflin, like this sweet Pentecostal lady that's walking in like crazy glory, to all these 20, 20 somethings yeah. that are running everywhere with these like wild, you know, like they picked it up. Like, how do you know how that whole transition kind of happened like so i think it, it happened with first herzog okay and then rennie mclean were the two guys that went to heflin's camp um that springboarded off of what she was doing okay and then kind of took it to the next level so i would say like david was the was one of the premier guys okay that like like took what heflin was doing took it back into france and started seeing like some really wild things. Now I do have a friend. His name is uh, Michelle, and he uh, is the guy that David talks about in his one of his books that prayed for him for the gold teeth. And I think we've I talked that about is. that. My dad was a friend of that guy. Yeah. Right in yeah. France, you said. Yeah, he okay. he he was on a forty day fast and had an angel come through the wall. And it was like a golden angel, he said. This is what he told me personally. Wow, wow. And um, he started seeing like really crazy things popping off in his meetings that were outside of like the grid of normal, what was happening as far as revival circuits. Right. And people started getting like gold teeth. In fact, he had the Dental Association of France sue him because he w had, was having all these dental miracles with gold teeth. When was this? This is this like late is 90s? 98, yeah. 99. Yeah. Um, and um, he was having all these gold teeth miracles, and the Dental Association of France got a hold of it, and they, they were like going to sue him <laughs> because he was basically, they said he was practicing dentistry without a license. Really? Yeah. And he said... That's awesome. That's yeah, like, really crazy. That's like John Alexander Doubt type stuff. Like, so, John, you know? Yeah, so this is the kind of stuff like that Get I don't think a lot for, of people know. practicing dental. Right, right. He had a woman uh, come who had a bridge that was broken. Like this poor French woman came to the meeting. Her bridge was broken in half. And um, God redid her bridge, but made it sol a solid piece of platinum. And they, they estimated that it was worth like $200,000. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, yeah, because that's, that's when I first started to hear about the gold teeth thing was right about 97. And, and that was also right about the same time when there was like a real increase in gold dust. That's like it was probably 97, 98, somewhere in there when Joshua Mills really started to, 
you know, like he'd been walking in the stuff, but he like he he really stepped into the, the spotlight. Wouldn't you say about that time? Yeah, right about around that time, he was doing worship, and then they made Finger of God, right? And that that came out probably around ninety nine or something. Yeah, I, I think maybe Darren Wilson. Yeah, made, well, okay. Made, made the documentary Finger of God, and and so you have Josh Mills, you have. Um, uh, K K Bayer and Her- and Harold, right? Yeah, they were on it. Jason Westerfield, Westerfield Jeff, was on Jeff it. Jeff Jansen, um, but that was like a whole documentary on like glory, extreme signs and wonders, glory manifestations. When, when right, like, right, the manna, yeah, uh, fifty carat gems, right, right, yeah, gold teeth, That's oil kinda, coming out of people's hands off the walls, the Toronto blessing, and that whole kind of movement almost was like waning at that time when you say like there was like this like peak of like revival like re- we call it renewal right um from 94 95 96 97 mm. but it's interesting how like it was almost like that toronto blessing kind of shifted do you think like it kind of shifted in, into like a movement of like manifest glory and signs and wonders 100 percent. i've never actually seen like i've never actually seen that before until just right now like kind of thinking through yeah and then you had Mahesh Shabda too which was another like heavy hitter of the glory that was like the first wave yeah because he's been doing this forever right like he yeah was, he was getting gold teeth back in like the, the way 20s. <laughs> way back and then also um like having feather clouds show up in his meetings yeah 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 um and uh you know the gems were definitely happening with with Mahesh and he um, was really close with oil. with Ruth Ward Heflin, right? Yeah, they, they that when at least when I've gone to um, Calvary Campground just to go there, um, and then I've been to Mahesh's just to, like drove on the property and like it feels the same to me. Wow, like almost like the same atmosphere, like that they had picked up on on something in the realm of the spirit at the same time, and. Um, I feel like Mahesh is kind of still carrying what uh, like Ruth had left. You know? Wow! Wow! That's that's my 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 opinion. It, but then there was almost like a point where if you if you're kind of following like the timeline of things, it's like things are very very intense. Sign, you know, gemstones, um, all these manifestations, and then there were there were a couple kind of. Um, things that went kind of south with a couple of people that were like like faking manifestations of glory yeah. and that definitely impacted the movement but 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 more so than that it's almost like the the flow of things went into like so going from 2000 into like 2004 it's like where you where we started to see like the like this new emergent kind of revival worship thing that right. started to kind of so you, like like Bethel really started to come hard on the scene probably in like 2004, 2005, as well as IOP. Like they'd been around a long time, but it's like they came into the spotlight. And so it's almost like like this manifest glory started to, you know, just following kind of the, 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 the pulse of our stream. Right. You know, and we've been in that kind of move. And it, to the degree where it almost feels like it shifted from like a worship kind of thing into now it's almost shifted into this new Christian mystic that 
I'm not I don't I'm not saying that the, our whole tribe is going that direction. Right. There certainly is this revival of an understanding and an honor and appreciation for the mystic realm. But I guess I'm kind of kind of wondering at, at what point are we going to see at what point is the glory going to become a value again? Because it's almost become like the glory has almost become like this old school kind of language. Mm. Yeah, I've never separated like the the mystic thing from from the glory. Sure, I've always kind of blended them together, um, and you know some people would kind of like disagree with me, but like for me, like mysticism as far as Christian mysticism cannot be separated from signs and wonders. So I think if you're like really, it can't be. No, I don't think so. I think if you're flowing in authentic, but it, it is. You think so? <laughs> like, you think? I mean, like, well, with like <laughs> when you look at a lot of the mystics, they had signs and wonders. Absolutely. So the the, the supernatural <laughs> flowed through them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that would be one thing that I would say um, that I I question some 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 mystical experiences not from like major leaders but just from like guys that might follow that movement is that they would say like they would have this experience and i would say to them well what's the manifestation or the fruit out of it that's always been my question like there has to be in my opinion some sort of a demonstration that what if they said like the fruit of that is that i go to heaven four times a day you know i'm engaging with the great cloud witnesses you know and i have inner peace that far surpasses anything that I've ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I'm not necessarily leading anyone to the Lord. I'm not necessarily healing, healing the sick. I, you know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. I think that, um, I would say that there is a, a gap, not that there should be like that, that tr- a, a true form of Christian mysticism should just, the fruit of that should be manifest restorative miracles yeah that that's my opinion at least yeah um i mean like if you look at like francis of uh, assisi right yeah 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 he had a crazy like stigmata glory that came on him which is obviously a sign and a wonder and he was a mystic you know um saint Teresa of, of avila like you know seeing angels and having all these encounters in the heavenly realms but yet there was like manifestations that were going along with what she was seeing. You know, same with um, Catherine of Siena, like where she was bilocating and there was proof that she was doing it, right? So like the, when the, when the um, missionaries went to go preach to the Indians, they said, oh, there's a lady in blue that comes to us and she's been preaching to us forever. I love that. Yes. And so like Catherine had been documenting that she had been going to the Native Americans for years. Nobody believed her. And then they had to search and find her, and it was authenticated. It's the same thing with Sadhu Sundar Singh, right? He's going into heaven 10 times bodily, like at the last year of his life until he just vanishes. I, I believe him more than, than somebody that's just telling me that they're doing that because of the miracle working power that he operated in that was tangible evidence that... Um, that something was happening in his ministry. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for people that are more skeptical um, about the mystics, that it would help if there was some legitimate evidence of what was happening, you know? 
That's just my opinion, and I hope yeah. that anybody that's listening to this wouldn't be offended by me saying that. I just feel that I like if if we were talking privately, I would say the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I would tell any of them that I would say, listen, if you are if you are um, holding your nation in your heart and you're like shifting it, then the words and the stuff that you're seeing and you're doing in the in the heavenly realm should be manifesting. Do you agree with like with what I was saying as far as the like the flow of what tends to be kind of hip and followed within our stream that it's it's gone like through that kind of progression like do you think like a form of Christian mysticism is going to be like kind of where we're going in the kind of the propheticy kind of you know because even the stuff that I'm hearing some of the some of the mamas and, and papas some of the ways that they're talking now is far more like if they would have talked this way. 15, 20 years ago, they would have been written up in Charisma Magazine. <laughs> right. And now right. everybody's pretty mystical in their vocabulary. Right. Well, you can't, I don't think you can get away from it. Yeah. If you're, if you study out theology, the, theologically, you study out the history of the church. <laughs> yeah. You'll find out that even the word mystic is not something that we came up with five years ago. And that's where I have a problem with like these watchdog, like, heresy hunter guys that are online that say like you can't use the word mystic well you're just for a better word you're just foolish because the third century of the church they called themselves christian mystics it wasn't until the seventh century that they changed it from mystical prayer to contemplative prayer wow and that was just so that it was easily digestible for um you know the church at that time but it all started out, they, it, it was originally called mystical prayer. Mystics were a part of the church. These were guys that originally carried signs, wonders, and miracles and had deep, intimate lifestyles of prayer. And that fire was kind of put out by the Great Reformation. 100%. Yeah, so, which is interesting because we may, we may be facing, you know, history repeats itself. And so, on one hand, the Reformation with Martin Luther was, it needed to happen, right? Like, it was a part of God's sovereign plan for the future of, of Christianity. And yet, um, with all the all the redemption and restoration and, and, and an empowerment for people to begin reading their Bibles and getting truth directly from the Word of God versus going through a middleman and a priest and all that kind of thing, right. for all the positive benefits, it also set us back tremendously in that the church was robbed of all supernatural expression. It right. wasn't until right the late eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, that we that we see a, a return, a restoration of of the power of God brought back to the church, right? Yeah. And so here we are, nineteen you know nineteen hundred Azusa Street, all these moves of God into where we're at right now. But there it almost seems to be a second reformation where the where the focus is going to like reforming the culture but i'm wondering if if it's going to cost us the same as as what it cost us back in you know um back when martin luther you know i, I almost wonder if 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 i don't think it has to be this way but it I, tell me if you agree it almost feels like there's a on one hand there's a young generation saying give us christian spirituality and yet it almost feels like there's a generational divide where another generation is saying, we've been there, done that, now we want to reform the culture, and we don't necessarily need 
that mystic expression. It feels like there is tension there. Do you, do you agree with that? I think so, 100%, man. And, um, you know, I, there's a lot that we can learn from history, right? Different expressions and the manifest presence of God moves on different people in different ways. And I mean, there's a lot that we can unpack just with what you've just said, you know. Um, I would make a main point to study and look at the life of John Alexander Dowie and Mariah Woodworth Eder. Because here's two miracle workers. One, John Alexander Dowie, not baptized in the Holy Spirit, believes in no mystical experiences, right, right. just total faith healer. Right. And then you have Mariah Woodworth Eder, who is called the trance evangelist, <laughs> who people would go readily in the trances, have supernatural experiences, and many documentations of baptisms of the Holy Spirit before 1905 with the Isuzu outpouring. True. And wow. he attacked Eder and called her, you know, a witch <laughs> because of the manifestations that were that were happening in her meetings. Now just imagine if they would have they would have come together and worked together. Um, although Dowie didn't understand every manifestation that was happening in her meetings, if he would have like sought the Lord, I think on it, he would have recognized that it was God and just imagine the impact in America they could have had. Wow. 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 So there's a blending of, of two separate streams and cultures, you know, coming together as one. And I think that if, if this generation gets a hold of that, then we won't make the same mistakes that we've made in the past. We'll, we'll, we won't attack each other for our um, differences. We'll begin to celebrate um, the similarities. And, and then also, I've said it a hundred times, how can you have Reformation without revival? Yeah, but I think the tension is, man, is that with Reformation, the emphasis is on building strategic relationships with people in places of power. And, and as you build relationships with people in places of power, through that honor and respect, you can bring influence. And the idea is to bring a, a, um, a kingdom, not necessarily Christianizing influence, but a kingdom influence. I'm just trying to use the, the right word choice, right? All right. So that's, hopefully I've stated that. You know, I, I've I've grossly simplified it. Okay, so I don't want to like have, like offend people that are like it's so much more than that, you know. But okay, so here's what I'm saying. So here you have that. Okay. Okay, and then you have Christian mysticism, and let's just say it, dude. Like, it's 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 weird. Like you know what I'm saying? Like like when you're going for it in a corporate context to get lost in the glory. You know, and I mean, some of the meetings that we have at Seattle Revival Center, I mean, like, like worship last night, there never was a verse and a chorus put on the screen. The whole thing was spontaneous. Right. And that's like what, like, that's like scratching the surface, like of, of, of what's available. So this is what I'm saying. Like, don't you think that there's such a radical, like, how can you bring influence to this guy in Congress? If you're like, if you if you can't even formulate a sentence because you're so drunk in the glory, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's where the two camps are really like, where there's tension. There's like this almost. I've I've heard some statements where there was almost like a mocking of revivalism from those who are who are wanting to take on the title of reformer, you know, 
because yeah. of the manifestations, because of some of these things that seem to be silly, but we're talking about engaging with, you know, and I love, I love reformation. I love, man, I love the drunken glory, but it feels like it, man, it feels like there's tension there and I don't think there should be, but, but it's like, I almost, do you think, do you feel like it's generational? Cause I, I, I feel like it's generational. I feel like there's a lot of young people that, that, that actually could care less about reformation. They want connection with, with, with the creator. You 100%. Know? That, that has, that may have to do with age though. Cause you yeah. know, we're in our thirties, right? Our, our, our values and our systems of thinking may change as we get older. True. True. Um, you know, in the nineties you had, a, those guys were our age when all that, a lot of that stuff was going on, you know? Um, so, it's it's interesting to look and think about i'm going to go and talk to this senator <laughs> you know about jesus um but i'm not going to bring like i'm just not going to bring the raw power of the lord and and for me looking at that through history that never works when you look at finney and he goes to rochester right 200,000 salvations in the matter of like i think six weeks or something crazy like that totally reforms an entire city in the matter of weeks through revival you look at again john alexander dowie when dowie was in chicago illinois he was basically the spiritual mayor of that town there's no yeah there's no heavy there's no heavy like um uh alcoholism right you know there's no um there's no heavy um gang uh, kind of thug mentality in 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 Chicago. It's like a free city known for revival, amazing, yeah. for the presence of God. And then he gets this man-made idea that he's going to go forty miles outside of Chicago and become the mayor in the natural of another city called Zion, Illinois, which is like if you study it out, was a complete flop. Right, right, right. And then that's when Al Capone comes into Chicago. That's when the mob comes into Chicago, and it's never been the same since Dowie left. Yeah, it's amazing. So, it, so he tried in the natural to do something that God had already given him in the spirit. Wow, wow, wow. So, I don't know what do you, what, what do you think about that? What I'm I'm just going back to this kind of this visual of like what like this hypothetical situation of being given the honor of meeting president Trump and you know, here, here you go to meet president Trump and all of a sudden, and, and, and like, you feel like you have a word from the Lord for him, you know, and like, you know, you had this dream, you had this encounter, whatever else. And you go to, you go to shake his hand. All of a sudden the glory of the Lord comes and you know, you know how the glory of the Lord comes. Like, like right. imagine it's like that thick honey glory, like that was coming into the meeting last night. Right. And all of a sudden you go to talk and you can't talk. And all of a sudden you just, you just start weeping. And then all of a sudden you start cracking up laughing. You fall on the floor and like, you've just, you've yielded to the presence of the Lord. And right. you said like, I'm going to honor the presence of the Lord, even over honoring the president of the United States. Yeah. Like that's the kind of question, like, like, like would the Lord ever do that? Or like, is that like, but is that the question? Like, like, are we, are we going to put reformation possibly as an idol over the manifest presence of the Lord, over the glory of God? And that's one of those questions that I've just been, cause I feel like there's that, you know, I, 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 I feel like it, it, like we're being given a test right now of what we're really going to go after. And I feel like, 
I feel like the test is, are we going to go after the manifest presence or it should be both and, right? And I hear that that's what you were saying with, with John Alexander Dowie. Here's this revivalist that brought incredible reformation, you know? But unfortunately, I'm not seeing the both and right now. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it almost feels like like the glory is like old hat. Like we've been there, we've done that. Right. And now we're going to change everything. And, and right. what I'm just saying is I feel like like we're going to get those encounters with President Trump or with whatever future president. But man, I, I feel like I feel like the dude's got enough advisors. You know, who's going right. to be the person that actually carries the glory right. into the Oval Office and doesn't have the wise words, but they're carrying the presence of God. Right. You know what I'm saying? And don't, and, and don't you feel like wisdom comes with revival anyways? Do you know what I'm saying? Like the presence of God is going to be what sparks the change and transformation in someone's heart. Come on. That's the word. Yeah. Right? So like if we go after the manifest presence of God, then reformation and shakings of society and cities and government and the seven mountains are going to happen naturally because it's an outflow of the government of God coming down. Come on. And that's my mindset. That's like, what I'm thinking. That's the Welsh revival, right? Like in, in so many other revivals. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So revival transforms culture. It just happens. So the, <laughs> yeah, and we're not trying to do it. We're not, we're not making it happen to try to strategize it. I mean, I'm all for strategy. Well, you and I, we are, we're, we're, <laughs> we're very strategic. I'm very super strategic on what I do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I only do what Which my father Which is why fa- we're literally surrounded in whiteboards right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And sticky notes. Like, Charlie and I just finished a sticky note activation exercise before we went live on this podcast. Okay. I'm having fun, guys. So I'm not <laughs> knocking that. I'm just, I'm just saying <laughs> that um, I'm not, I'm not. That's not what I'm called to do. So, do you think there's going to be a return of like? Because you do, you've seen, a, you've seen loads of like, like you're. I would say you're a glory guy, man. Like, like you love, you love the glory of the Lord, right? Like you've seen manifestations of diamonds and and gemstones and stuff. Yeah. But do you think we're going to see, or do you think we're going to see a resurgence of that kind of manifest glory again? And if so, how do you think that's going to happen? Is it will it be sovereign, or will it be because we're seeking that kind of expression again? Yeah, I, I think that it's going to come back around again. Um, but I think the emphasis is going to be on a heavy amount of worship, because I've said it for years. You can't get legitimate signs and wonders like the kinds that we're talking about without manifest presence wow and that's the that's when you can tell the difference between what you were saying with people that were faking it and people that were legitimately seeing signs and wonders is the manifest presence of jesus is in the meeting wow wow you know because there there was there was some you know guys that i mean you can go on youtube and facebook and everything and you can kind of tell the guys that are just totally faking it and the guys that have legitimate stuff that's happening yeah you know and it it for me um it all comes down to discernment of the presence of the lord and the manifested like glory of god because that stuff is an outflow of the glory like I always say, like miracles, you can you can pray for miracles, you can pray for atmospheric healings, 
you can see different types of healings and miracles but you can't um you can't command the glory so I can't say there's going to be 10 gemstones that are going to drop in this right, meeting right, right now. Right. That, for me, at least in my own life, has came through just being in a meeting, never premeditating that this is going to happen, and and just the manifest presence of the Lord shows up. It's such a, a, an atmosphere of unity that a, like a wonder happens like that. You know, the Greek word is terrace, which means something strange. Something strange wow. happens in the meeting, like diamonds falling, gems falling, um, you know. And I've been, in, I've been in India. I've been in the Middle East. I've been in Europe. I've been in places. I've been in churches where they don't even know what that kind of, they've never even heard of, like, gems falling in meetings, and they're happening. And that's, you know, just an outflow of, Hey, we we spent five hours in the in the worship was just like so tangible, and then here comes somebody you know. There's there's gold all over the floor. There's a portal in India where the gold is just coming down, wow. and you can just wow. see it, and it's all over people's hands. You so know, you know that smell, that smell just before it starts to snow, when you go outside, like and you're like it smells like snow. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it, rain too. Rain is like yeah, that. same thing. Is there a is there a smell? Is there like a, a, a like a distinct atmosphere that you that, that you discern when you know that those things are about to pop in a meeting? I feel it's it feels more mystical to me. I've, I I don't know if people understand that are listening or like is strange. It's a good. You know what I'm saying? Like does the, does it feel like like a, like mysterious or it feels it feels more. Like like milky, like sticky, like thick density, than a miracle realm, and it feels like that in the atmosphere. Or it feels like that in your own spirit, like inside of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it, does it feel like that in your own state, or is it something that you're that you're perceiving inside of you, or something that you're perceiving more outside of you in the, in the room? Maybe both. Wow. Okay. I've never taken a um, like a you know, show of hands, how many of you are feeling like the, this heavy, weighty, like milky glory. <laughs> um, I've always just felt it come on me and it feels like a, like a weight. Yeah. Like a, like a heavy blanket almost. Wow. wow. And like a very slow, I've been in meetings before where it felt very like, like slow, like everything slowed down. And I was like, wow, this is this is like something we're tapping into right now. And that's typically when we see the like kind of extreme signs and wonders. But you also have to honor that stuff. That's right. That's and good. you can't like walk past it. I think the Lord is really grieved when we just walk past it. And I and I and I'm probably I might get in trouble for saying this with some people, but I feel like there was a time where signs and wonders just became so common that we that we just took them for granted wow i remember wow. one meeting i was in this um where a lady got seven gold teeth i was in a, i was in south america a lady got seven gold teeth that's crazy and um like <laughs> instead of the like the people not the people but just um 
Oh, how can I say this? Um, without, without, uh, this lady gets seven gold teeth, man. And instead of stopping and being like, dude, God just gave this lady seven gold teeth. I'm talking about fillings. I'm talking about full gold crowns, you know? That's amazing. The guy just yeah, grabs, the, this guy that was with me in the meeting, he just grabs the microphone and decides that, you know, he wants to, he wants to do a, like an old school, Pentecostal altar call for salvation. And I'm like, listen, man, like the whole city could get saved with this woman getting seven gold crowns in her mouth. Can you just hold on for a minute? He does a pornography altar call. Yeah. Like what, <laughs> Come the, on. like what's going on? Like, like stop and give it a moment. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, first of all, people have probably never seen this before. Like they're, because a lot of times when signs and wonders come, it's to challenge people's doubt and unbelief. That's what that's what God's doing. He's challenging you on what you can believe. And and instead of like stopping and just being like, Lord, what are you doing right now? What are you saying? Because signs and wonders always have something connected to them. God is always saying something through signs and wonders. And don't you feel like when something like that pops in a meeting, it's not immediate faith though like don't you feel like like i've been in in, in in some meetings with you where these things popped and it was almost like but maybe it's just me man but it's almost like you feel like an immediate resistance in the room of like skepticism 100 like right off the bat like 100 something pops and then it's almost like the role of the minister to like to massage that wonder into the culture so that the faith level can rise you like yeah, because like I said, God is it's challenging. It's like an interrupt, man. It's like a glory interrupt, and it's just like because because now you now now you you're feeling it because you're discerning it, but but what you're feeling is the doubt and unbelief that's being exposed in people's hearts. Yeah, it's already there, right? It's already there, yeah. but they didn't even know it. See, we we believe God, all God do anything. We believe you for anything, but then when He does it, then you go, "Well, I don't know if I believe that." Absolutely. Well, that's the moment that you need to begin to repent because the Bible says that signs and wonders come not to the believer, but to the unbeliever. So there's a lot of unbelieving Christians, man, that yeah, need man. to get, that need to get like authentically like reborn again. But you know, what's crazy is in these meetings where gold teeth or gold dust or um, diamonds or so these things happen, you feel the resistance in the meeting. There's also a lot of excitement. There's also some people that are just going kind of crazy. Right. You know, you got all the above happening, right? Um, and then people start taking pictures. Those pictures go to Facebook. And despite the controversy, right? No, despite the doubt, like a, a, a picture of a gold tooth will, will go nuts. Like it, it just, like I, I've seen it here at Sarah Vile Center. Like when, when, when all those gold teeth, uh, whenever that happens here and we post those pictures, yeah. I know that that's controversial, right? right? Like I know people are gonna look at that and place a judgment on the church. But man, those pictures just, people just start sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing. So you know on one hand it's triggering skepticism. On the other hand, you, ought, you, you know that there's actually, it's actually stirring up faith. Right. You know? And um, it's funny because just going back to when all this stuff was hitting, you know, everywhere. And you had the glory gangs and all this kind of right. stuff. I was, I was actually like, 
I, I didn't really necessarily appreciate it. Like I was way younger and just kind of like, I was just like skeptical and just like, I was just kind of, I think maybe just kind of a punk during that time, you know? So all that stuff was popping. I was like, what? Like, come on. Like, gold. you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't even really appreciate finger of God until it, it had been out for a couple of years, you know? Uh huh. So, but now I'm like, man, I would do anything to go back there. I would yeah. do anything to go back there. Just like, man, just take a year, just travel with Joshua. You know what I'm saying? Just uh, be in those meetings. And, yeah. But I know we can't do that. But like going forward, man, I, I want to see like that, that restoration of that manifest glory. Not just, just, not just the signs, but yeah, like and the signs, you know? Come on. Come on. I love it when God shows up and does wonder-working stuff, you know? And, I'll, and, and sometimes I don't even... I won't even post some stuff online anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, because... Just because people accuse you of something or what? Like, just because it's not... I mean, for me, <laughs> it's just not worth it. Really? Just to, I mean, I don't ever answer my critics anyways. What do they do? Email you or something? Well, like... Or if, just comments? If you, like, comments, like, I never respond to a critic. Sure. I just erase them and block them. Sure. You know, um, because I've already seen too much. So you can't change my mind, and and so um, there's been a while where I haven't like posted like if a gem comes in a meeting I just I won't put it up, um, but the Lord's been kind of like stirring me about that you know, I, I preach a little bit on it on Thursday about you know remembering the wonders of old like Psalm seventy seven remembering all the stuff that God did. Cause I remember for like two years I pressed in to see the, like the gems. Like I wanted that manifestation to happen. And I first saw it in Brazil and a little meeting in the worship was, was like a few hours. And I remember the diamond, there was some um, like tile flooring and the diamond fell right at my feet. And I was so blown away by that. It wasn't even like a, it wasn't even a big, it wasn't like a 50 carat, it wasn't even like a three carat. It was like a, like a half carat diamond Wow. that fell wow. at my feet. Wow. And I was just so blown away that it happened that I was just like, Lord, I, I'm going to honor this thing. I'm just going to keep honoring it. So sometimes I protect that stuff. Absolutely. Because it's just like this holy kind of, it's this holy gift from the Lord, right? That you that you want to honor and not exploit, right? Right. And you don't want to... A minister told me one time, he said, you never want to just be known for one thing that God does in your ministry. Just being honest with you. Yeah. He, he said, don't, don't be known for... Don't be the guy that's just known for the gemstones. Because then everywhere that you go people will be expecting that manifestation and you can't make that happen. It's good. Just imagine being Bethel though. Like when all that, when that gold dust cloud was appearing, like, man, I, I think that happened like seven times over the period of a year and a half or something. And they didn't hide that, you know, like I, I always really admired that about them. Like, um, they, they let those videos go out on their on their Facebook and their YouTube and they got a lot of because they're pretty mainstream right like Bethel's pretty like um, yeah a lot of people follow them that aren't even necessarily like into the supernatural necessarily they just like their music and stuff right and so they took a they took a lot of heat for um, 
for that for that glory cloud that was shooting gold dust everywhere. Yeah, I honor Bill Johnson for that too because of the the, the platform that he has and the voice that he has within the body of Christ to take a stand with such an extreme sign and wonder with such a, a massive ministry that he has that's affecting the world. Uh, that was bold, man. You know, because that could really, I mean... They that's could have when, shied away from it, you know? Like, yeah, they could have shied away from it. And the other thing is you could have had, like, the guys... Put the cameras down. Put the cameras down. <laughs> put the cameras down. Don't talk about it. And he could have, he could have faced a lot of... Um, other voices within the body of Christ that don't believe in this stuff, uh, just coming against him for it and writing letters. And did you read the 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 letter that Chris Felton wrote, like defending the the gold cloud and all that? No, there was like a letter that that Chris put out. It was like an article on like the gold dust. Really? Yeah, because they were getting a lot of a lot of pushback. It was pretty funny. Like, I, like he, I think he used like some sarcasm, and he was kind of having fun, and but wow. he was just kind of responding to all the critics, and you know, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it is, man. It really is. Like that'll be, you know, that'll be in the in the history books. You know, man, I'm that'll be in the, our kids' version of God's generals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it takes a, it takes a real it takes a real general to be able to stand up and and say. You know, we're going with this. I remember um, in the 90s when um, I heard a story when Rodney went to um, to uh, Kenneth Hagin's church, Rama, and brought the joy there. Like, they didn't want it oh, at really? first. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard this from some people, some yeah. direct people that were in, that were in part of that. Um, they said they didn't want it. And then Brother Hagen stood up and said, there are some things that this generation is going to miss out on if they're not careful in God. And, um, and then it broke out at Rama as a result of that because they were going to shut it down. And, you know, Brother Hagen stood up and said, no, this is a, basically a move of God. And if you, if you guys are religious, you're going to miss out on it. Wow. But you can, and you're going to miss what God's doing in this hour. Um, but if you're sensitive to the spirit, we won't miss it. And that's he, that I heard that's when, you know, Rayma completely shifted during that season and, and revival broke out. And even Brother Hagen became more um, open about sharing a lot of his spiritual experiences during that time. Because before that, he'd said, I only teach 10% of what I know. Wow. 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 Yeah. Yeah. My dad was a part of a pretty major um, denomination. You know, I was third generation PMD, pretty major denomination. <laughs> PMD, PMD, <laughs> and um, and during the nineties, we, uh, you know, my dad he had this spiritual gift of drunkenness. Like he would get so whacked that he would like stand up. For forty-five minutes and not and just zzz, you know not be able to talk you know yeah which that took a lot of courage because you think if you you think after ten minutes you'd put the mic down and give it to somebody who could talk you know mm. but it was like the Lord wanted him it, like to demonstrate it was it was almost like a prophetic act or something looking back at it now but he would get called in to the denomination you know and like before a panel of presbyters where they would like quiz him and ask him questions and stuff. 
and he would answer their questions like and 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 actually satisfy their curiosity to the degree that this actually happened three times um the the superintendents or whatever whatever the big guys are called would tell him we believe that history will record that this was a move of god we just don't want anything to do with it wow they said that they said that to him wow in fact we went to a um i went with my dad to one of the big district kind of kind of meetings because they were going to be voting on like whether or not it's a move of god or something like there's going to be a vote on it so we got there and um and my, they wouldn't let my dad in. And we were yeah. like, wait, like, no, like, uh, we're a card-carrying denominational holder. You know what I'm saying? And, they were gonna, and he said, well, what's going on? He said, um, there's a discrepancy regarding if your tithe was correct. Like, if you tithe the right amount of money. And he's like, what are you talking? Like, I give you a tenth. Like, so he really, he was really funny because he, he really wanted to get in there for this. So essentially, he got, he got red flagged, bro, because he was a part of this move of God. So we went in anyway. Like we got in, and um, and I, I was old enough to remember this. this I should, basically, uh, this is this is. I mean, this is history, right? This is what happened. Basically, right. what was said in the mic was that a move of God is like a wind, and when it blows through a house, if the house is built strong and well, it'll be able to handle the wind. What well, this is what they said. Brownsville was a house that was built well, and so therefore it could handle the wind. Toronto was like a haunted house, <laughs> and the windows, like you know, on a, on, a, on a haunted house, when the wind blows through a haunted house, yeah. all the flaps on the windows go start going, you know, and the and the door and everything starts creaking. And basically, the, what they said was that. Um, that Toronto was a, was a house not built very well, so it was very messy, and just, you know, and un, unhealthy. Versus Brownsville could handle it, and therefore it resulted in souls. Yeah. Wow. Now, like, if you if you we're we're in twenty eighteen now, and if you were to be honest, I love both moves. You know but which one has bore more fruit over time? I would have to say Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I went, I went to, I was a part of Brownsville. So I, I saw all those souls. Oh, you were. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. We went down there when I was a kid a bunch okay. of times. Yeah. 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 Um, but you look at the caliber ministries that came out of Toronto have quadrupled the amount of souls that have been saved through Toronto and um it's still a revival people, it's still a revival it's still hub. going now it's yeah. still going now and 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 the amount of people that have been affected by toronto far outweighs and i love brownsville yeah, so if absolutely. anyone that's listening to this yeah absolutely. brownsville is incredible i'm not yeah, brownsville not degrading absolutely. brownsville but i'm just degrading the the uh thing you're just telling me about the interesting thing was just the whole thing of like what it's when you said uh, Hagen, right? Right. He basically had the opportunity to not embrace a move of God because of how it looked, and instead he honored the move. Yeah. And I and I just and I just wonder if if what God's about to do on the earth, if we're all going to have a great opportunity to reject it because of how it looks. And I just think that that we we've got to learn from church history. Um, 
and realize that the people that experience one move are always the people that want to, that want to reject and often reject the next move. So totally. what do you, I mean, what do you, what, what do you think, man? Like, where do you think this river is going? Like, where, where do you, th- what do you think is just going to be really, because man, we're past due for the kind of move that would capture the heart of a generation. Yeah, we're right there. You know, I mean, it's, it's like we're right on the verge of something. I don't know if you can look at the past and, and kind of distinguish what's going to happen now because it could be, it's, oh, every move is different. Everything um, that God does is, is new. There's always the similarities of the moves. Um, but now with technology, we have the availability to capture Whereas like you hear the stories about Finney, the second great awakening with people falling down, laughing, barking, like all the right. crazy stuff that, that that's written. Right. We right. have no documentation, video of documentation of that, you know, but we do have documentation of Toronto. So now that we have that, you know, going forward, we can look and see what's going to happen, happen in this time. I, I just think that this generation is not going to put a limitation on what God's going to do. And with the availability of technology that's coming, nothing can stop it now. Where before denominationalism could stop it, um, you could not have a big platform because of the lack of finances to get your message out that's gone away with right now. I mean, the fact that we're really talking really on microphones right now, this could be heard by thousands and thousands of people worldwide, um, you know, just by simply clicking a button and uploading it onto, onto, you know, Facebook, YouTube, all social medias. The message gets out quicker. It's like last night we had that blind lady, right? We post that, posted a video. I mean, it's, it's, it's like people are talking about it all over the world right now. And that was just last night. 30 years ago, we could have never gotten that message out as fast as we got it out today. It, yeah, it's unreal. Oftentimes, I think that, that the numbers just don't seem real, but they are. Like, you know, for example, back, there was no live streaming back during 94, 95 right. at, at Toronto. So they would run these conferences with three to, th- to 5,000 people, right? So when you have three to 5,000 people in a, in a meeting, you know, you call that a move of God. <laughs> Right, because people people will judge oh, wow. a move. I think I know where you're going with by this. how many people are in the meeting. Right, I think I know where you're going. Now, with this. if we Go had ahead. three to five thousand people in the meeting last night, yes, you know what they would call that revival, a move of God. Yes, guess what? We had five thousand people watching the meeting last night. Right, online, online. Yeah, a couple hundred people in. all over the world. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you call that? I don't know. <laughs> It's it's different now. It's interesting. It's different now. Yeah, because you used to be able to judge by numbers. Right. You know? Right. By like how many seats you have in the meeting <laughs> right. would distinguish whether it's a move of God. Right. But, you know, when you look at most most moves, um, John Arnott said that there was only 130 people when it started at Toronto. You know, then it grew into that massive number. Right. But right. now with technology, I mean... You can have you could have ten thousand people watch the broadcast and see what's happening, and then they got to kind of decide if they want to make it out to the meeting or whatever. But it doesn't stop the power of God from flowing. Yeah, the presence of the Lord is still op- an operation, whether they're watching it, it five feet from you or 
50,000 miles. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how technology even changes the way we do meetings. I mean, when you were with us and we extended back in 2016, man, that's crazy, huh? Two years ago. It doesn't seem like that long ago. But like we we immediately, we, we valued, we honored the camera as as a portal as a portal into a whole nother world. You know what I'm saying? Like the most important eyes that we were looking into was the lens of that camera because we knew it was connecting us to thousands and thousands and thousands of hungry people and skeptics and, and um, media people, you know, all, you know, I, I still hear to this day all kinds of very significant people that say that they were watching those meetings, you know, online. Yeah. And I just think that it's going to change the way that we do these because oftentimes we'll look right past the, the camera, right? We'll look right past it and versus really honoring that. And, and that's one of the things that we, that we did right off the bat, you know, going into those extended meetings was realizing like, hey, there might only be a couple hundred people here tonight. Right. But not really. I mean, I mean, in All going back, people dudes, watching. look, yeah, some of those videos just have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of views, man. Yeah. And we saw that analytics literally like, the whole world was watching. Yeah. And is. I mean, which, dude, the numbers of just last night were are larger than anything we did back in 2016. Which 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 lets you know so how it's not hungry like the good people. old days, right? You know what I'm saying? So I think I, I think you just answered your question though, man. <laughs> what are people hungry for? Are they hungry for reformation or are they hungry for revival? Because the numbers will tell you the truth. And in my opinion, people are hungry, dude. Especially those that are millennials. And like in our in our age bracket, they they have only heard the stories, or were were young during that time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude. I just I, thought of something. Go ahead. Because you said, "What do you think people are hungry for?" Well, if we're honest, the people that are that are coming to meetings or to church services, I could be wrong. Like, guys, let me know if you think I'm wrong. Aren't necessarily hungry for reformation. The people, like I've never been out for coffee with somebody at our church, just hanging out and they'd be like, I'm, I'm just, I'm longing for reformation. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've never, I, I'm sorry. I've just, I've never had that conversation. Right. It's always like, I'm longing for more of God. So like, yeah. the, like usually, correct, dude, bro, correct me. Cause you know, I can be corrected. But the only people that are really talking about reformation are ministers. It's true. They're not, it's not like, it's, it's not the people of God. The people of God are like, we just want God. Like, yeah. We just want, they'll even talk, people will talk about harvest, souls. People want to see salvation. Yeah, yeah. But you don't, you don't, people are not like just sitting around at coffee saying, man, we just long for the Christianization of the marketplace. I, I never heard that conversation. Yeah, it's not the circle that we're, we're, we're Again, dude, in. I, I'm not dissing it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be dissing it, but I just, your question, what are people hungry for? Yeah, they're, they're, they're not, I mean, f we're dancing. I mean, we could dance around this without <laughs> harming people. And I'm not saying that I don't, I don't agree with some of, some of the stuff that's going out. Um, but, but for, for me, I, I think you have to stick to what you're called to do. And like, if that's what they want to do, that's cool. But for, for what I've noticed and like what you're saying, people are, want an outpouring. They, they want to think about it, okay? Um, 1994 
95. Well, we could go to 2000, we could go to 92 when Rodney comes. There were four or five spontaneous moves of the Holy Spirit in the 90s. Bro, there was four or five spontaneous places that were happening just in North America that me and you could go to that we would guarantee that God would be there. The manifest presence of Jesus would be there. And that if we were in those meetings, we would never be the same. Wow. We would get so wow. touched by God that our ministries would be transformed. Wow. Can we say that today? Yeah. And that's been my, that's been like last year I was thinking about that and I almost want to cry about it. But my son's going to be 12 years old. When I was 12 years old, I was standing outside in Brownsville five hours to get into that wow. service wow. and wow. going, God, it, it would be, a, I would do a disjustice to, right. to my generation if my son didn't receive the same touch of the Holy Spirit that I did when I was a kid. And even though he wouldn't fully understand what was happening, it would mark him for the rest of his life. That's right. And so in the 90s, you got five moves of the Holy Spirit, five places that you could go, you know, uh, on the earth at that time that there was a manifest move of the Holy Spirit. Toronto, Brownsville, Smithton, um, uh, Rodney's in Lakeland, and in Tulsa with with um, wow with um, um, Kenneth Hagen wow so and then and then not even to then we could go and talk about Argentina we could talk about Cali Colombia we could talk about you know different things that were happening in in on the continent of Africa I mean there was moves of the holy we could talk about uh, England and and uh, New Brompton the things that were happening yep, there yep, with yep. the revival there were places and hot spots. Where if you and I got into those meetings, we would be wrecked and never the same. And the media picked it up. Remember, it was it was all over. Like twenty twenty did it did a thing on like revival in America. Like changes are occurring in the church tonight. We're going to Toronto and Brown. Like, do you right. remember that? Like, right. like there were full on specials all over. You know, all over the secular media, which on- was great too. Even though it was negative publicity. I remember um, a lot of the old old guys that were during the 50s when I would speak to them, that they were a part of the A.A. Allen movement, the Jack Coe. They said no publicity is bad publicity. They liked the bad stuff. Yeah. They wanted to get it out there because they wanted people to come to the meetings. The more that it goes viral, the more people hear about it and then come and experience it. There was one I remember watching as a kid. I, I don't know who, who did it. I think it might have been 2020, but it was actually it wasn't actually negative. And they it was funny because they actually included Willow Creek and Saddleback into as part of the churches that were moving in revival. Wow. But they were like this now this is a different style, but God is moving in a different kind of way. Here they don't worship with their hands raised while barking like dogs. Here they sit in theater seats and watch plays about Jesus. And you're like, like you know, but like, but they're blowing up, you know. So right. there, w- yeah, there was a crazy kind of like revival dynamic that I that I think that even uh, Bill Hybels and um, Rick Warren were even like tapping into it, even though the expression was radically different. Yeah. I, mean, I think actually the media probably got it right. Like they recognized like the churches were just exploding everywhere. Mm. I think the media recognized, they, the media just said, Hey, this is just one big move of God. Right. And I think we were kind of like, no, that ain't a move of God at all. Their worship is five minutes. <laughs> right, right, right. But you know, the outflow of revival in the nineties is the mega churches. 
even though they went to like a systematic, like formatted system. Yeah. You know, the churches were able to grow to 15,000, 20,000 to those large of numbers because of all the people that were touched in the, in like the, the Lakelands and the, in, in, in those things. I mean, look at, um, like Randy Clark, right? He goes to Rodney Howard Brown's meeting in Oklahoma, gets totally smashed by the presence of God, has Rodney pray for him eight times. Then he goes to Toronto and that whole thing blows up, you know? Yeah, and and it sounds like there's the rumblings of what people are believing is going to be a move of crusades and stadium events. We've seen a little, you know, a little bit of it. Like in the '80s, that was a huge deal with Promise Keepers and everything. Mm. And I know there was Azusa now, and I know, I know Lou's got some big stuff. But I think Jay Jayon's even going to be doing some big stuff. And like, but you even got you even got some big crusades that you're going to be doing th- this year, actually. Yeah, I'm going after souls big time. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know what the theme I believe is going to be going forward is just Jesus. Wow. wow. Like, what do we want? Jesus. That's right. Like the message, the centralized message of the simplistic gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified, I really believe is going to become like the main attraction again, just Jesus, you know? Come on. And all the outflow of all that stuff, the mystical realms of glory, the signs and the wonders, that's all coming back, but the centralized message is Jesus. Yeah. And um yeah, I, I've really been challenged, even in the in, in even in all the things that are happening prophetically, things that the Lord is showing me prophetically, like souls needs to be like a main focus. Yeah, that's good, man. And I love what you're saying about about Jesus and, I, and just the whole challenge of being Christ centered, so, so that the Lord will entrust to us the gemstones, the glory, and right. all of this, and it's not going to get our attention off of that stuff. It's it's only going to make Jesus more famous which, you know it's going to add to not take away yeah and which people have always tried to separate it right right, right so right. like soul winning would be separated from mystic mystical realms of glory yeah but i think i told you this like when i was in malawi and we we saw seventy five thousand people born again that's in crazy three days which is like a supernatural harvest were you story. expecting that no not anywhere close to that like, but wow, what a supernatural harvest you with miracles. So like you were just like, right? Like when I was talking with you, you're like, bro, bro, bro. You know? Yeah. It was just like, crazy. I'm going for a hundred thousand next year. Yeah. Yeah. But it all, like I'm in the hotel room on the Thursday afternoon getting ready. Yeah. And I fall into a trance and I see Jesus. Jesus walks into my room as a lamb. Wow. Total mystical experience. And, and I said, Lord, why are you coming to me as a lamb? And he says to me, because I left the 99 and went after the one. Wow. He said, go and do likewise. And I, and I started weeping like uncontrollably for like an hour to two hours because I, it was such a, 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 a supernatural impartation of soul winning that came through a mystical experience. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's where I go back and say, the fruit of your mystical experience needs to kind of pan out in the natural. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. That's yeah, just, absolutely. Because don't you think that true Christianity has to be mystical, right? But, I don't think but, there's but no way to get away from it. True mystical Christianity has to be, 
you know, it's like the whole thing's integrated, and it's just it's just important that that we don't just become one aspect, you know. Right. I mean, what is it? What does it look like to to have even we could talk? This might be something we could. Man, we're talking about so many things, but what about the cloud of witnesses, right? Like having an encounter with someone out of the cloud of witnesses, and then the fruit that comes from that manifestation. Like we know a guy; um, he probably will we'll leave his name out of this podcast because he may or may not want us to say it. Online. His name's Tom. His yeah, his name is Tom Smith. Tom Smith. Tom Smith. You can look him up online. Um, Please don't. <laughs> he had an encounter where um, um, John Wimber came to him. Really? Yeah. He had a he had like a, a night vision where John Wimber came to him and prayed for him and said, "Every person that you pray for will now uh, that you believe will have gold teeth." Really? Yeah. And uh, he didn't know that John Wimber had had that in his ministry as one of like had a sign and a wonder where people would get like really? That's, fillings yeah. and different things. And the next meeting he went to, he, he had that sign and a wonder start happening, wow. but he totally met John Wimber out of the cloud of witnesses. And I met somebody else that had a similar experience where John Wimber came and prayed for them. And they also received the same kind of manifestation with, with wow. gold. Wow. Wow. So that's definitely fruit from from the the experience that they had, whether you believe in the like the cloud of witnesses can come and visit you or not. Here's a guy that says, "Well, I had this encounter, and then, you know, this manifestation is a result of it." So, yeah, it it, it is interesting just because we're learning so much about um, redeeming the unsanctified imagination, and that the Lord uses the imagination and and through. The Lord uses our imagination in spiritual sight, right? Bobby was talking. Bobby Connor was talking about that yesterday um, at lunch. Yeah, that was sancti- awesome about the sanctified imagination and that being the starting point for seeing in the spirit. And yet, we also know um, a good friend of mine. Actually, I was just telling you about this. Just the other night, woke up. There was a hand on his shoulder, and when he when he looked, there was a man standing in his room from. Um, that I believe was from the cloud of witnesses by the way that he described him, but he doesn't necessarily know who it was. Yeah. Um, that's like a very significant, that's not, <laughs> that's not his imagination. He wasn't sitting there saying, okay, I'm about to frame out an encounter with somebody from the cloud of witnesses. Right. I'm going to use my imagination. He's going to be about six feet tall. He's going to have a white beard. He's going to, you know what I'm saying? Um, and or, so the, the reason why I say all that is because, there's just there's a lot of cool stuff that God's doing right now, and then there are these like sovereign encounters that have that have oil on them, like these encounters that are legit and they have oil on them. Yeah, and they and it and it's like it's going to change your future because of the encounter. Yeah, dude. I mean, don't you think, man? Like, just biblically, shouldn't every supernatural encounter we have be a future forging event? 100%. Well, you know, I loved what um, I was sitting at uh, breakfast one time with Paul Keith. And I was we were just talking about experiences, like cloud of witnesses, all, all that stuff. And he says, I can always tell a legitimate, um, you know, experience by the weight on the person's words as they tell me. And I think that comes down to discernment as well. 
you know, you can tell when it's a legitimate sign and a wonder because you have discernment. You can tell it's a legitimate like experience because when somebody is telling you a story or you're they're telling you their experience there's weight on it like you know when bobby started telling us about when he went to the to the courts like a couple nights ago like dude i i mean i was like as he was telling it you could feel this this heavy presence of the lord come into the room and you oh just wanted goodness. to start to weep oh my goodness because that was so intense it was like man that wrecks me, man. You know, I've heard people say, "Yeah, I was, you know, I was at the courts the other day," and I'm like, <laughs> "It was yeah. like at Starbucks." I was you know? like, "Yeah, maybe in your imagination, you were in the courts and you framed that up, right?" But you should make, you should let people know that because when when I hear like Bobby talk about it, you know, oh and he goodness. wasn't trying to impress us either. Oh my goodness. He was just trying to tell us, "Hey, you know," he was like, "You know, I had this experience." And he just starts, and you just felt the glory just come into the room, a weight come as he's telling us this, and you're like, yeah, this guy wasn't like in his in his um, you know room with the door shut with some like nice soaking music on, and he's just like framing up what the courts look like. He was legitimately there and doing like some stuff that was changing nations. Even trying to repeat that story, like if you tried to repeat that story the way he did, like if I tried, I'd probably start weeping, just trying, just trying to repeat it because there, there was such an anointing on that encounter. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think it's really interesting because, um, yeah, there, there are a lot of people having incredible encounters with the Lord, and then there's a lot of skepticism out there because of other encounters that maybe don't necessarily have that weight but they're going viral or, or or whatever else right i think that's just where we have to like protect our hearts and just give people a lot of grace you know yeah 100 percent. i you know and um i think as long as you're authentic to your to yourself and you're not and you don't oh i thought of something Sorry, I totally interrupted you you don't want to like <laughs> make an you're not trying to make a name for yourself right like try to use your encounter to to, to, to launch your, your massive ministry <laughs> that's like what we were talking about the other day like legacy like yeah. slow and steady wins the race that's right like i'm not i'm not me and you aren't trying to like let's see how we can scheme to make it to the top <laughs> it's like dude i'm i'm not trying i just i don't care about none of that man i just want to have longevity a legacy and carry the supernatural power of what our forefathers, you know, and those that came before us carried and give it to the next generation, like pass the baton before it's all over. Dude, going to um, the Cloud of Witnesses conversation, like, see, all right, so just pretend like you're in a room, you're by yourself, right? Oh, all right. Are Am you I? there? Are you there? No. Use your imagination. Use your sanctity. <laughs> okay. All right, what color are the walls? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in a room by yourself, all right? And somebody walks into the room, but they don't say anything, right? And you, but you, and you don't look at them or nothing, but somebody okay. walks into the room, right? The whole atmosphere is different, right? Yeah. It was just you, like you were comfortable, everything was fine. Right. But somebody walks into the room, and now there's like this tension. Everything's different because somebody's walking into the room, and they're looking at you, mm. all right? You can feel that feeling even, you, you, you can feel it in your heart, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
isn't it crazy when you're in a meeting, like in a church meeting or like you're in worship? I mean, because this has been happening a lot, I'd say, within the last year or two. And it's like, it's like that. It's like that feeling. Like we're not alone. We're there with, it, with each other. But it's like, it's like the cloud comes. Yeah. And now you know you're being watched. And you don't necessarily know who it is. You don't know what. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right. That atmosphere. Right. Dude, I've been in meetings where it's like the whole room just goes quiet, like silent. And nobody knows why. Like, 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 you know, those environments where like even the babies don't, don't breathe. Like, it's just like, like you can hear the air mm. and it, dude, it's that atmosphere. It's when it's like heaven comes into the room. It's like, a, it's, it's somebody's coming from the cloud. And I don't think a lot of people even realize that that's what's taking place. Yeah. You know? And you but, can feel it though. But I've learned how to discern that now. And I, I, I won't say anything usually, you know, cause it'll freak people out. Mm. But I, I don't usually even know like who it is or what it is but it's like that feeling like it was just you and now someone's walked into the room and like and it's just and it's holy you know yeah i mean it's maybe probably jesus i don't know right but that stuff's starting to happen a lot 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 more and i and i think that we're going to see a real acceleration in in partnership with the cloud yeah what well, Part, partner with the cloud bro. is it is it <laughs> it's kind of like what jesus told um uh thomas he said, blessed are those that have believed and yet not seen. Yeah. And the Lord told me, he said, you can still touch without seeing. Wow. You can still feel me without seeing, you know? So, so many times people are looking for their eyes to be open, but blessed are those that can touch and feel and sense, although they can't see. So that's like the intimacy of Jesus coming into the room where you can't see him, but you, you know he's there. Dude, whoa, getting a little whacked on that. Anyway, in the Holy Ghost. And uh, you know what I mean? Like that's a deep touch of the Holy Spirit. When the intimacy comes and you're blessed, you're blessed, although you haven't seen, you know, but you can still feel him. You can still touch his heart. You could like Thomas reach into the side and touch the heart of the Lord. Reminds me of, I think, didn't Bobby say this, this last week that we need to be talking about this stuff? Was it Bobby that, that, that brought that yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. He said he's talking more about encounters, more about angels, more about these types of things. Because like we were talking about even posting the pictures of gemstones on, on Facebook, not that you were embarrassed, but it just, it costs you something. Yeah. And anytime you, anytime you're going to talk about an angelic encounter or the cloud of witnesses, even just in talking about this on, on a podcast, right? Like there's a cost associated, but what's the alternative, you know, like to play it safe. Right. right. Like, and um, Bobby was just, Bobby Connor was just with us for this conference. And that's one of the, the things he was talking about is like, we've like, we, that's one way that we honor the realm of heaven is that we're not embarrassed when we have these encounters, but we right. talk about it because it's going to build faith. And we're not doing it to we're not doing it to sell books. You know, we're doing it. To, it's it's one of the ways that we honor heaven is that we're we're talking about the realms of heaven. We're, we're talking about the cloud. We're talking about angelic encounters. Mm. I mean, even just now, like as we're as we've been talking about different things. The atmosphere keeps shifting and you like you right, know like, right. you, like you, you're just talking about you know touching without you know without seeing and the whole atmosphere so i think man that's that's like that's one take home that 
you know, I would just encourage people that as you're having encounters, even if they seem small and insignificant, insignificant, if it's heaven, it to really honor those small things, those little things. Yeah. Was it, who, who was talking about like, was it Bobby? Like Bobby told me yesterday, he was talking, the to, little, us, the he's talking to us yesterday. And I said, if you could give a, give us one key to open up the CRL more in our own lives. Like if we're just elementary, because I always like going to old, like men of God that have been around forever and asking him those kinds of questions, questions, the like the base level stuff, like how did you, how did it start for you? Those kinds of things are the really the keys. And and I said, well, what um, what would you give as a key that could help open that up, like the CRM open for you, for us more? And he said. He said, no matter how small it is, he said, just begin to to focus on it. And as you do, and you honor the little thing that it'll open up more. And remember he was talking about how he had these little blue light, like a little blue light. The first time he started going, he went to heaven, he had this little blue light come into his room and he just honored it. And then more blue light started coming into the room and he just kept honoring it and honoring it. And then suddenly the rip, the, the roof ripped off of his house and it was an open heaven and he got sucked up into heaven. Remember? And, yeah, he, and, and he was like, it all <laughs> that encounter, my first encounter in heaven came from honoring a little blue light. Oh my goodness. And I was like, wow, I'm going home this afternoon to look for blue lights. <laughs> <laughs> well, they told us a story and I, I don't necessarily want to re- repeat it, but he told us a story about he was on the stage with Bob, and Bob saw some, Bob saw an angel in the room, and Bobby didn't see it, and yeah. and then Bob was like, "Well, well, the angel's here, right? Right? Like, don't you think it's probably not good to? I don't know. Yeah, we'll leave it. Yeah, but but yeah, but, tell the story. But Bobby kept scanning, kept looking and looking and looking and looking, looking until finally, after going back and forth with Bob Jones, right. Like Bob was getting mad at Bobby. Yeah, but he said Bobby. Bob was getting a little upset. Yeah, Bob was getting irritated. Like, he was well, like, "You just can't see it, boy." Yeah, like, what's wrong with you, right? Like, so finally, Bobby looks at the very, very back of the church and like, like, like the very back, right, right. Like, I don't know if the angel came out of the wall or if it was right against the wall. Mm-hmm. Was very subtle. Looked like a person, like an old woman, mm-hmm. with this set, with this um, head covering, and mm-hmm. you know. But again, it's like, it's, it's taking the time to really truly like to notice those subtle little ways that God is speaking, the subtle things that the Lord is trying to, to show us and then to honor and to talk about it, you know, yeah, it's so big. And that's, you know, that's one of the things I love about Bobby Connor is he doesn't even ask for permission. Dude, that guy just takes off story after story after story. Like, Here's another encounter. Well, here's another encounter. Yeah, and no apologize, and he doesn't apologize for it. And and you know who who made a limitation on how many encounters you can have? That's crazy. Like, well, you're you're only allotted f- two encounters in a year, dude. Are what 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 do you mean? Like you <laughs> you know that's like we've put this limitation on Christianity, the most supernatural religion ever you have people that want to take the supernatural completely out of it how do you how do you change and transform the the model that the apostles and jesus created 
even the old the 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 old testament prophets created and say we got a better model for the 21st century church that is that is madness to me that is a total devil that is a demon i'll just say it (laughs) you if you if you're taking out supernatural experiences from christianity then do us all a favor go and get another job (laughs) because Christianity is supernatural. Right. And when you start having to apologize for encounters because, you know, we don't want to offend people because we don't want to scare them. Well, man, don't read your Bible because you look at Ezekiel chapter one and the you're looking thing. at eyes and wings. Yeah, and the whole thing, the whole Bible from Genesis. I mean, you can't Genesis get away from supernatural experiences. The whole thing. Weird stuff. <laughs> I found that God used a lot of weird people in the Bible, man. Yeah, there's weird people, there's weird encounters, but I mean, the, the whole thing, dreams, visions, trances, um, creatures. Um, I mean, quite of- crazy stuff, man. I mean, I mean, Moses goes on the mountain for like 40 days and comes back and he has to shroud his face because he's got a horn coming out of his head. I mean, that's <laughs> what it says. I mean, what can you do with these things? You know, these angels showing up and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Christianity has just become way too normal. It's just become way too, way, way, way too normal, it's you too know. A, yeah, way too analytical, way too. Probably uh, normal is not the best, the, the, the best weird, the, the best word. I used to have a, um, somebody, we have a church in the area here that, um, you know, bless their hearts. They're really going after the unchurched. Mm. But um, their slogan was no weird stuff. And they would buy these big ads in the in the newspaper. So somebody thought they were funny, and they cut out the ad and they put it on my door, in my office. And so I I kept it. I used to have it on my wall for a long, long time, you know, because we were kind of the the opposite. <laughs> like no weird stuff. Really? What it, what does that mean? We're, you know, nothing weird. Yeah, you know? like no nothing unusual. No nothing. presence. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that would sell as well. Like. You know, come to our church. No presence of God. Here. Yeah, <laughs> we are void of all presence. At we no angelic. We guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, no Holy Spirit. Forty-five minutes. You know, no miracles or your money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if you have a touch from the Holy Spirit, you we will give you your tithes back. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! What in the world, man? That doesn't even make sense to me. It literally, like, and, and all for the sake of what? Getting people to come? I don't think that 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 the seeker-sensitive model really has ever worked. Because, the reason I say that is because even those people that are going to those churches, if we were to be honest, are still seeking supernatural experiences in other ways. Whether that is through self-medication, like medicating them th- themselves through alcohol, drugs, uh, d- you know, different different uh, vices, um, or they're seeing psychics, they're going to movie horror movies. That everyone believes in the supernatural. It's just the um, analytical, you know, leader 
because I don't want to even call him a pastor because pastors get labeled too much as just being like the guy that doesn't want to go after the supernatural. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, we're, like we're pastors. a local pastor. Pastors is, suck. <laughs> yeah, like, that's a bad label though, right? Like, Prophets I'm a, are awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, pastors suck. So now, now you got like pastors that are like, no, no, I'm apostolic prophetic. And it's like just to try to get away oh, from well, this dude, sad if you're, if you're, label. If you're an apostle, you have all the other powers yeah like if you're you're at the top of the you know that's how it works yeah. oh okay. the bible says if you're an apostle you have all the all four other superpowers and the fifth so you feel like you're the top of the pyramid yeah, abs- yeah abs- absolutely you're, right? you're the like, pyramid scheme guy now yeah. you're like <laughs> seriously i am the apostle so that does that mean that you're an evangelist well well look if i wanted to get someone saved i could because i'm an apostle no. i well, i'm just choosing not to <laughs> <laughs> No, oh my god. Did goodness. I cross the line? <laughs> no, no. This will go worldwide and everyone if will love it. I wanted to give an accurate prophetic word, I could. It's just. I'm too into, too much into building. <laughs> I yeah. got to go play some golf. Yeah, it, Charlie, isn't, what it, you, <laughs> isn't it? I, I thought about this, this this morning. Just a side note as we're, we're talking about this. Like, if I, if I pulled up tonight in like a 1975 rusted out Buick. <laughs> And I told you that this was a brand new Tesla. Yeah. Nobody is going to believe me. No, I would, I'd take you to the doctor. I, you would say, there's definitely something not right yeah. with Charlie. Charlie's sick. There's something not right with him, you know. Um, but today, we have people that can hand out cards that say apostle on them. And yet, <laughs> obviously, is no fruit whatsoever that would make me believe like what John, what what Paul said he said truly this signs of apostle were among you because i had signs wonders and miracles now we can just have a card and and it's like driving that 1975 rusted out buick <laughs> and saying this is a brand new tesla and it's like nobody like you can have the title you know, but you're you're not even demonstrating or modeling what you're saying you are. So, you know, but pastors get too much of a, a, a yeah, bad rap pastors. for not not wanting the supernatural. Um, and most pastors are just so darn nice that they, you know, what I'm saying that they'll never actually defend themselves, like in, until they finally snap and then resign. You know what I'm saying? Just like I'm out of here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always I always know the pastor that's about May- to resign because he he puts a. He puts up a, a Facebook update that says, "Like I'm so sick and tired of pastors repenting on behalf of other pastors. When are some people going to repent on behalf of all the sheep who keep, you know, like right, oh, that guy's right. on his way out? Right? <laughs> what if? It, what? What if? Uh, maybe some people that are going to listen to this could could will, they'll write you. You can you know, don't write me, but yeah, write yeah, yeah. write Darren. Yeah. Uh, what if we just had the like?" This whole like model of pastoring is not right at all. Mm-hmm. And like the nice guy that is like in order to be a pastor, you have to be this nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And then but if you're prophetic, you're like edgy, you're you're like doing miracles, you're definitely not a pastor. You have to be another one of the ministry gifts because the pastor is like the nice guy that basically just does uh, weddings and funerals and, and 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 things like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that we have the model completely wrong, and I think that 
pastors have gotten a bad rap and they, they've been pigeonholed into this place of like, well, I just got to be the nice guy that like, you know, dedicates babies and, 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 you know, does marriage ceremonies when it's really like pastoring is as supernatural of a gift as any of the other ones. And they're, it's not a pyramid scheme. It's an equal level playing field. That's how I feel about the 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 ministry the ascension gift ministry of of Ephesians four that there isn't like the super apostle on top and then everybody's got to submit to him I I don't feel that that's that's the the right model yeah yeah and and, and you may not you may not agree with it I mean we could talk about well, I that. just we think could talk that, through that yeah I, I just think that pastor's been the only accepted title within the church and evangelist yeah yeah and evangelist and so everybody's a pastor right right. Um, and it's just been the last however many years within our stream. Like it's really been just since the emergence of Bethel, since like two thousand four, two thousand five, that a lot of guys are even okay with using titles, like like apostle and prophet. So right. on one hand, that's kind of like that. That's been a kind of a negative thing because you got a lot of cats printing up business cards saying that they're apostles, and you're like, yeah, bro. But the problem with that is like the fruit of what you're doing you know what i'm saying right, no fruit yeah but then you just have to kind of like be gracious but still to a great degree if you want to be in like full-time paid ministry in a church setting then you're going to take on the past like a title of a, of a pastor like how yeah. many like full-time prophets do you know that are on staff at a church not many you know what I'm saying? i don't i don't even know if you i don't i don't know of any really and that's that's the problem well, I think that's a problem too. I think that every prophet needs a local church. Yeah. I mean, regardless of where you're where you're going. Yeah. I definitely because know if that you were I'm a, pastor, a pastor, would, if you were a pastor, wouldn't you want to have a full time paid prophet on your one hundred percent? You know what I'm saying? And 100%. wouldn't you want to have a full time paid evangelist on your team? One hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I you really the, think that through, it'd be the most brilliant thing ever. Because then people, and then also people know, I'm not going to look to that guy to pastor me. He ain't, he ain't the pastor. He's the prophet. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it immediately bring, but if you were to do that, like within our camp, imagine the amount of criticism you'd also take on. You know, it's like, yeah. but, but you, biblical definition would also frame up a certain amount of honor. And it also, it would also give people a healthy, realistic expectation of what to kind of get out of that person. Yeah, and you would also need some real selfless ministry gifts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we were to be honest, because they were you, you to, in order to, you'd have to have guys that would look at the bigger picture of taking like a state, a region, a nation, and not so focused on like their their ministry. You know what I mean? Sure. Because a lot of times, like that can. You know, when you have somebody that moves in a strong, uh, a gifting that is maybe international, and you would have all those guys planted in your house, sure, um, you would just have to have really strong, um, like a strong bond between those ministry gifts and an understanding of where they function and where that lim where their strengths are, and where their weaknesses are and celebrate each other on what, what, what God has called them to do. Sure. You know? So say you were to have a, um, a structure and then the, the, the visionary, the person with the call of God to plant that work 
is practically building and establishing a heavenly prototype on the earth. Mm. You could say that that's pretty safe to say that that person's probably the, the apostle of that 100%. work. 100%. And then that person's raising up an army of pastors, shepherds, safe people that are pastoring the people. And they're probably not even paid staff. Like they're an army of lay leaders with pastors' hearts and they're doing visitation, doing all this stuff. And then you also have like the New Testament where people are clearly defined. There are New Testament prophets that yeah. were that were in the church that did not get the, the title of apostle or teacher. They were clearly defined as as prophets, right? You know, and then you also have um, Bethel. You know, I don't know if they call him Pastor Chris, but everybody there knows that Chris Valton is like the house prophet, right? 100%. And nobody is necessarily going to him when they're looking for comfort. And I'm not dissing Chris, right? But they're going because they because he is the edgy kind of blade of Bethel, yeah. right? And he also provides a certain amount of protection for Bill, yeah. Just being who he who he is. So what I'm saying is, is that like you can see that doing things kind of the biblical way, mm. like you said, if there's like this selfless kind of like like it would require like like the problem is is pride, don't you think? Yeah, because like it works for that place because Bill is confident in who he is, right? So he's oh, not yeah. like yeah. he's not like no, Chris, you can't have your own ministry. You're 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 only I'm only limiting you to be <laughs> You wash my at feet, Chris. Church. Chris, you wash my feet. Yeah, yeah. So that would obviously not work. Right. Right? Right. I mean, because he allows Chris to have his own ministry. I hear what you're saying. There there, there has to be like true empowerment for people to be totally who they are. Mm -hmm. That they get to be obedient while not being like anchored and tied down to the, that local context right because they have a global they have They're, a global call they recognize themselves as a movement yeah not as a as a local kind of uh church thing right 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 and i think they framed that up way before it ever happened you know god's already given them the vision to recognize hey, we're not really going after a local church or even like just touching our region. We're talking about a complete movement that we're going to establish. Did that before? <sighs> yeah, I've never sat down with Bill Johnson or Chris. Oh, I, I was wondering if that's what you were saying, that you think that... I think that, they, but I would say yes. I would say that that was a vision. to me, it almost then. seems a little more accidental. Like to me, like, because Bill inherited the church from his you dad. You just feel like they fell into it. Well, no, I mean, like, so Bill inherited the church from his dad, right? And he stepped in and started forging a revival culture. Right. He knew Chris, who was obviously, who's always been very prophetic and is a prophet, right? Mm. But I think it was really through like Harold Eberly that came in there and brought kind of a wineskin for fivefold ministry. From what I've heard that really began to shape even the whole um, what's Dan happening Danny now. Silk's um, culture of honor book where it's kind of like their their blueprint for wow. for a culture and so I think that it was there in the DNA all along mm -hmm. you know it's part of the God dream but I think that that the Lord used you know Harold Everly and other guys to help bring in a, a, a new wineskin that right you know and they intentionally went after it oh yeah 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 they and they were bold, man, bold to, to kind of go go after that, especially on the West Coast, because <laughs> we're different here on the West Coast. Like, we're just not into titles. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I thought, man, I thought it was really bold when Danny Silk wrote that book, and that it was basically like they're coming out of the closet. We don't just believe in fivefold ministry, but we honor all five offices, and this is how it plays out here in Reading. Yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the West Coast is different than the East Coast. <laughs> but the way that they've honored each other has 
has made Bethel what it is today, you know. And there's always, it seems to be, that those particular streams and moves of God are founded and in, in, in somebody picks up the mantle and runs with it. I feel like what Wimber did with the vineyard kind of came on uh, Bill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, 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 it like tr- transferred to him. You know, one of the things I just love about Bethel is how they um, they brought like a new standard of excellence to revival culture. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because for a long time, man, for like for years, like a revival church meant that you were like, you know, 30 people in a room where all the walls are painted white, you know, like um, halogen lighting everywhere and, um, you know, and crazy gold, it, weird kind of pottery in, in random places with, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's like the flag lady. <laughs> yeah, which hey, we 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 get our flag on here. Yeah, we, we like dude, the flags. Yeah. I'm not I'm yeah, not yeah, dissing yeah, the yeah, flags. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, man, like it, on one hand, you go to Bethel and it, you almost feel like you're at Hillsong, and yet people are like getting drunk, falling over, and like you yeah, know. yeah. They've merged the two. I was talking to another guy about this too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because you feel that kind of for a better word, hipster kind of like cool, fashionable feel, but yet Holy Ghost like glory. Yeah. And so it's, it's almost sneaky in the way they've done it because it can like somebody that isn't into that culture. Maybe they are like totally into Hill songs though. They can come into that and then just get smashed. And then they're like, Whoa, like <laughs> I'm actually like this better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I really feel like, do, do you remember there was a prophetic word about, that Bob Jones gave and it came into fulfillment last year about the glory of the Lord returning to the church? Do you remember that? Did you hear that word? It refreshed me. I, I probably have heard it. I don't, I, I'd probably, I'd probably butcher it, but it was like a 40 year, it was like 40 years ago or something. Bob prophesied that the glory of the Lord was departing from the church. Wow. And then um, last year would, would have been the fulfillment. So it was actually Bonnie Jones that was talking to us about that word being fulfilled and the glory of the Lord returning to the church. Mm. And then on that particular date, something happened. I wish I had more of the facts on it, but I think there's something there, man. I mean, I think we're really about to see a, like, like a return where like the glory of the Lord becomes like the main currency. Like, the, yeah. like it's like, that's what, that's going to be the valuable more valuable than anything else, you know, will be just the manifest presence, the glory of the Lord. I would agree so much with you. And, and because I, I do travel into all streams, all different kinds of places I'm going. I'm not just like, you know, I, I have streams that I like that I feel more comfortable in, but the Lord has opened those, those crazy doors. I mean, even into Catholics and stuff like, you know, um, and I can say that, no matter what kind of cultural culture, what kind of like church culture I go into, it seems to me that people are hungry, man, but across the board, whether it's a word of faith, you know, more vineyard, Bethel, Toronto kind of thing, a Pentecostal, uh, you know, Catholic whatever i mean even church of england i mean there is a sense of the hunger of god that that uh, i'm feeling 
from all these different streams and um, various parts of the body of Christ. Yeah. That they're all saying we're hungry for a move of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's time. Yeah, 100%. It's time. Well, awesome. It's been good. Man, that was fun. I got to do these more. This is just like free chats. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, until next time, Charlie Shant. Much love. All right. All right. Peace out.